Hello everyone, this is Dr. Mawson from HBM Ministries. Greetings in the name of our Lord and our Savior, our soon coming King, our Master and Director of our lives. And I hope he is directing many and all of us lives today because we wouldn't want to call him the Director and he's not. I want to use for a subject this morning, what is your testimony? And I want to read from the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man's sin nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest. And Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I want to go down to verse 11. Verse 11 said, he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anoint mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. A few years ago, I was called from the one of the courts in Boston to come to court and give a testimony on a case, myself and a, another person. It's either me or the other person. I tried to get out of it because I was pretty busy. And so I did everything that I can to let the judge know that if I get there, I'll get there late. However, I went down to the court but when I got there, they got the other guy before me. So they took his testimony and made a judgment on the case. Almost felt like I wasted my time. But the fact of the matter is that they did not hear from me. I had a testimony, but I didn't give it because there was no reason at that time to give it case is over what you have today is you have people who have testimonies but it's not the right kind of testimonies you have those who have the real testimonies you have those who have manufactured testimonies and then you have those who have no testimony at all and those who have no testimonies are people who have no experience of what they're talking about. Then you have those with the genuine testimonies. They have experience. They know exactly what they're talking about. And those with the manufactured testimonies are those who make up something to make a testimony. And then you have those with no testimonies. My friends, this gentleman here that is 
born blind, he had a testimony. And his testimony is so important that it was recorded in the Bible, in the book of John. Now, this story of the man, this man is important for us to look at. Let's note some things. And here's one of the things that we can make note of. The cure of this man would be good as he sat there. It would be good. The man was a burden, believe it or not. He was a burden to the public. And so getting him healed and getting him a job would do well because he would be able to go to work and relieve the public of the burden. Well, why was he a burden? He can. It's possible that he was an emotional burden to the people who pass by and feel his pain every day. They watch him and feel his pain. And there is because they feel his pain, they feel obligated to have to find something. Some of them had to do it out of sacrifice, find something to put into his hand so that he can have a meal for the day. That's his job. He's a beggar. And beggar's job is to sit at the side of the street or somewhere and beg. That's their work. So the public became obligated and to do that, and it places some burden on them in some sense. The other thing to note is that Jesus was with the scribes and Pharisees, and he left them. They drove him away. Drove him away. And they drove him, as he went away, he went to this blind beggar. It almost feels as if you could say, my friends, that this blind beggar who is in darkness, you close your eyes and open it up. Close it for a minute and you'll find out how dark it is. And you open it and you see the big difference. Darkness to light. Jesus was driven away from his own, came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He came to this beggar who is in darkness. This beggar, we can say, is a type of the Gentiles. The Gentile people that Jesus came to, to, bring the, to get the gospel into their heart. While his own people, the Jews, rejected his gospel, his message. The beggar who never was able to see, is now able to see because the light came to him. And a third thing that we should note is that Christ took the poor blind man in his way and cured him in transit. My friends, you pass them almost every day. You say, well, how do you know Christ cured him in, his, in transit? The scripture says, as he passed by, as Jesus passed by. That's what that verse opened up with, verse 1. That's in transit. You and I pass them every day, and we make our judgments. Oh, they're not real. Oh, he wants this. My friends, you never know what it is until you get there, until you go there. 
it was very important for this man to get cured. And it's in passing, Jesus did it. Let me ask you a question. How many people have you passed from day to day? You can be the person who gave them hope. And somehow you look at them and you turn your back. And you push your face up and you brush them off. They are in need. They're asking you to help. But you made your judgment upon them. And you decide that you're not going there. My friends, you may be the person who can bring hope to the lives of one of these people. One of these needy people, one of these drunken, bummed out person, begging, blind person begging, someone who has an unfortunate situation in life and subject them to begging. You can be the hope. And I know there are some that are not genuine, but you'll figure it out. Don't always turn your back on those that are in need. You could have been where they are, but for the grace of God, you're not there. Those are three things that we have to keep in mind that these are very important for us to know. This man lived in darkness all of his life until he met Christ. Weren't you there? Those of you who have come to know Jesus Christ, where were you before you knew him? You did and lived nothing else but darkness. You say to me, no, I wasn't a bad person. I, I never run the clubs. I never run the street, drink and gamble and all the other things. I never did that. You don't have to do that. You came into a world full of that. You're tainted with that when you came in. You're a sinner. And you just in that and that washes you as soon as you come into this world. By nature, you're a sinner until you come to Jesus Christ. That's when your life changed because you now walk into the light. And you can remember, many of you can remember where you were. You were rejected. You were scorned. You were looked upon as a nothing, a nobody. You were hopeless. You were in despair. You were rolling in the mud. Your life was a disaster. You couldn't put the pieces together. But when Jesus Christ got into your life, when you gave him your life, all those broken pieces and those mess, he took them and he put them back together and clean you up. And today, you can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. I want you to keep in mind, this man that was blind had no sight. He doesn't know colors, shape, neither does he know anything about figures. That's what sin does to you. You think that where you are in darkness, in sin, living, that it's beautiful. I'm going to live it up. And Satan tells you, live it up. You're young. 
Live it up. Enjoy it. Enjoy it to the max. And just wait until you get older and then start settling down. But don't settle down too quickly when you get there. Just enjoy your life. Live and revel in sin. Never mind what people think. Never mind what they say. You just do your thing. That's what the devil tells you. Hear me today. Many of you may feel that way. Many of you may think that way. And many of you may say, this is how man should live. Let me say to you, doesn't matter what you think or what you say. Listen, there comes a time when God say, I've seen enough. I've given you many chances to come to me and you refuse to. The Bible say he that hardeneth his heart and stiffens his neck shall suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. My friends, the spirit of God is not always going to strive with you in your sin. Sometimes God just let some people go. Just get them out of here. And I want to challenge you today. There is no guarantee of your tomorrow. There is no guarantee of your next year or next month or the few hours that is left in the day. There's no guarantee. And what you should be thinking of is not to allow the devil to fool you and make you think that the way you're living in sin, that this is life. This is pleasure. This is good. Don't you let Satan fool you. Because the only plan that Satan has for your life, your beautiful life, is to mess you up. He wants to make sure that your life is wrecked. And also to do it in such a way that you, know, you never have a chance to give your life to Christ. You know how many young people that I have spoken to that said, had I known. And they're saying, had I known when they are in some catastrophic illness, when they face some catastrophic, catastrophic illness, when they are in a position that they're disabled, when they're in a position where they're being fed by someone, crippled in some way, messed up badly, that's the plan that Satan have for your life. Nothing good. Don't fool yourself. You're young, you're brilliant, you're smart, you're intelligent. You is who he want because he wants to wreck you before you even start to enjoy any life at all. This was a blind man who couldn't see anything, no shape, nothing at all. All he had is darkness. And that's the life he lived, in darkness, on the street begging, in darkness. Would you want Satan to put you in a position to continue to live in the darkness of sin for all of your life? Why not make a decision and say, I can't do this. As much, much as this looks good, this is not life. There's a better life that you can live, and that is the 
life when you come to Jesus Christ and surrender your life to him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. My friends, for you who are not saved, you are missing the abundant life. You are missing a lot of greatness in life. What you have going on there is not life. And the things that you have in your hands and in your possession, they're passing moment. They will end. They are not life. You buy something to fill your void. You get it filled somehow for a few months. Then you need something else. You get that? Same thing. Then you need something else. You know what's happening to you? You're looking for things to make your life feel fulfilled. But nothing, things can't do it. You can have a fulfilled life when you come to Jesus Christ and surrender your life to him. It's amazing how the Lord put eyes on our body and on our body and on the animal's body and how they're structured properly. Amazingly how the Lord do that. Now, God was able to do that from day one in the Adam in the garden. And so we are born with a structured body, how he created us. And my friends, Christ cured many that were blind by diseases or accidents. Sometimes that's what happened. And Christ would cure those people. But here we notice something different. Here he cured one that was born blind. In other words, in sin. Your mother put you out in sin. Bring you out of her stomach, her belly in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. That's what the scripture said. Was born in iniquity. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. My friends, you didn't choose that for you. You didn't pick that kind of life. But it's the evilness of the world from Adam and Eve days to now. And many people would say, I'm a good guy. I'm a great person. I don't do a lot of things that are bad. I have good morals. That does not make you a Christian. You need to go to the cross and bow before the Lord and ask him to forgive you. Sin has an ugliness about it that you probably don't realize. And sometimes you get it when you're on your back and you lay down and you find out, look where sin puts me. Very ugly. And so Jesus was able to cure this man. He can cure you today. You don't have to do anything to yourself. Just the way you are, he will cure you. You don't have to change your garments. You don't have to change your job. You don't have to change your church where you attend. You don't have to change nothing. Just as you are, born in sin, he can cure you.
And by the, the fact that this man was cured when he was born blind, this kind, this indicates in some way that Christ has the power, my friend. Nobody else has. He has the power to help those in the most desperate cases and to relieve you when no one else can. You tell me who can save you today. Nobody else but Jesus. His grace. This is really a specimen. When he does that, and he has the power to save you when nobody else can. This is a specimen to the work of grace that is upon the souls of sinners. Which gives, what, this, what he does, he gives sight to those who are in darkness. That's just a specimen. That's what he will do. Look at the specimen. Look at the people that are around you who are saved. You know some of them. They were not like that. You pass them on the street, in the gutters. But today, you see them worshiping the Lord, and you cannot believe it. That's what the grace of God will do. He, he, it will go all the way to the gutters, all down in the mire, and find the wretched, the most wretched. You know what I'm talking about? The most wretched. When he gets you, he cleans you up, make you a brand new person. Then you can stand up and say, today, I am what I am by the grace of God, not by my good works. My good works couldn't do it, couldn't change me. But today, the grace of God has done the job in my life. Now, the question that the disciples put to Christ was not a not really to help these, this, 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 this guy. He, it wasn't to help him. The disciples even knew he was blind, maybe by fame, or Christ could have told them. And they come, Rabbi, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was blind? Listen, here's what the, the disciples believe, and they're not, too different from what's really going on today. They believe that the extraordinary calam calamity of this man was a punishment of some common weakness, wickedness. And that this man was a sinner above all that dwell in Jerusalem. Don't they say that about you when you were there? They say you couldn't get saved. They say, I don't believe you. I'm going to watch you. I give you two months or two weeks. They said it. But you proved them wrong because you did accept the salvation of God. The grace of God has changed your life. You proved them wrong. And so they had another question. And their question that implies also that the blindness of this man that was put upon him, this man, um, was a heinous crime. That's what they believe. Well, if it was a heinous crime, the next question would be, who were the criminals? 
unnecessary question. But when you're in your dilemma and in despair, that's how people see you. Thank God for his mercies upon your life because if it was left to people to save you and help you out of your mire and in your mess, you would not. You would be still there. You would not be helped because that's what men will do to you. They will push you down further than where you are. But the Lord comes to lift you out of the gutters. The question was an, uh, unnecessary. What good was the question anyway? There was no good in those questions, in those beliefs. There's no good in the question. There's no good in the beliefs. Listen. Neither Jesus said to him, to them, listen, I want to answer you. Neither this man or his parents sin. But the works of God today must be made manifest. It must be known. My friend Jesus spat on the ground and Jesus took clay, almost the same clay that he formed Adam and Eve out of, uh, Adam out of actually. And he said, he put it on my eyes. He put it on the man's eyes and he was healed. Now, there was a concern with the people and they asked him, isn't that the beggar? Isn't him? Wait a minute, who healed him? And my friends, he had a testimony. He answered and said, the man that called, a man called Jesus made clay. And when he made the clay, he put it on my eyes and anointed and told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I got healed. Let me ask you, what is your testimony about Jesus today? What can you say about him? And I'm sure he's doing new things over and over in your life every day. Are you still stuck at the same testimony? Today, I'm truly glad for Jesus. And I'm glad when he saved my soul. That's good. But there is, there is more. There are more that the Lord has done for you and is doing for you and for your children. There's higher grounds that the Lord is taking you up into. What is your testimony? Can you talk about that? Is your testimony real? Is your testimony manufactured? Are you doing it, making up something that you're really not living? And you never had an experience with or you don't have a testimony my friends every child of god must have the first testimony of his saving grace and after that there are several other things that the lord has been doing for you you should have testimonies every day of what the lord has done bible said oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man that trusted in him and I can tell you today, I can't stop counting the blessings. There's no enough numbers, enough fingers on my body to keep on my hands to keep counting the many good things that the Lord has been doing. And he's been doing it for you every day. Every moment you get up, the Lord has been good to you. And that's a testimony even to be alive. You say, well, I don't have much to eat and drink and clothes to wear. 
My friends, you are alive. That's a testimony of the grace and the goodness of God in your life. The saving grace, the keeping power of God in your life. That's a testimony. Don't you lose your testimony. Tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. Wherever you go, let the devil hear it. Let the devil know that your God is still working in spite of what Satan thinks about you. Let him know that your God is still working and he will work and work with you until he calls you home listen to me today give your testimony let everyone know what the lord has done for you you should have a wonderful testimony and i trust that you may give your heart to god and that you may surrender your life to him every day with the greatest testimony that the lord has given you may god bless you may god keep you may the lord strengthen you may he continue to watch over you in jesus name father thank you today for all that you have done and i pray that your holy spirit may minister to each and everyone today in jesus name amen amen everyone this is dr Morrison from hbm ministries greetings in the name of our lord and our savior our soon coming king our master and director of our lives and i hope he is directing many and all of us lives today because we wouldn't want to call him the director and he's not I want to use for a subject this morning, what is your testimony? And I want to read from the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man's sin nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest. And Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I want to go down to verse 11. Verse 11 said, he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anoint mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. A few years ago, I was 
called from the one of the courts in Boston to come to court and give a testimony on a case, myself and a, another person. It's either me or the other person. I tried to get out of it because I was pretty busy. And so I did everything that I can to let the judge know that if I get there, I'll get there late. However, I went down to the court, but when I got there, they got the other guy before me. So they took his testimony and made a judgment on the case. Almost felt like I wasted my time. But the fact of the matter is that they did not hear from me. I had a testimony, but I didn't give it because there was no reason at that time to give it. Case is over. What you have today is you have people who have testimonies, but it's not the right kind of testimonies. You have those who have the real testimonies. You have those who have manufactured testimonies. And then you have those who have no testimony at all. And those who have no testimonies are people who have no experience of what they're talking about. Then you have those with the genuine testimonies. They have experience. They know exactly what they're talking about. Those with the manufactured testimonies are those who make up something to make a testimony. And then you have those with no testimonies. My friends, this gentleman here that is born blind, he had a testimony. And his testimony is so important that it was recorded in the Bible, in the book of John. Now, this story of the man... This man is important for us to look at. Let's note some things. And here's one of the things that we can make note of. The cure of this man would be good as he sat there. It would be good. The man was a burden, believe it or not. He was a burden to the public. And so getting him healed and getting him a job would do well because he would be able to go to work and relieve the public of the burden. Well, why was he a burden? He can. It's possible that he was an emotional burden to the people who pass by and feel his pain every day. They watch him and feel his pain. And there is because they feel his pain, they feel obligated to have to find something. Some of them had to do it out of sacrifice find something to put into his hand so that he can have a meal for the day. That's his job. He's a beggar. And beggar's job is to sit at the side of the street or somewhere and beg. That's their work. So the public became obligated and to do that, and it places some burden on them in some sense. The other thing to note is that Jesus was with the scribes and Pharisees, and he left them. They drove him away. Drove him away. 
And they drove him as he went away. He went to this blind beggar. It almost feels as if you could say, my friends, that this blind beggar who is in darkness, you close your eyes and open it up. Close it for a minute. And you'll find out how dark it is. And you open it and you see the big difference. Darkness to light. Jesus was driven away from his own, came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He came to this beggar who is in darkness. This beggar, we can say, is a type of the Gentiles, the Gentile people that Jesus came to to bring the to get the gospel into their heart while his own people the jews rejected his gospel his message the beggar who never was able to see is now able to see because the light came to him and a third thing that we should note is that christ took the poor blind man in his way and cured him in transit my friends you pass them almost every day you say well how do you know christ cured him in his in transit the scripture says as he passed by as jesus passed by that's what that verse open up with verse one that's in transit you and I pass them every day and we make our judgments. Oh, they're not real. Oh, he wants this. My friends, you never know what it is until you get there. Until you go there. It was very important for this man to get cured. And it's in passing Jesus did it. Let me ask you a question. How many people have you passed from day to day you can be the person who gave them hope and somehow you look at them and you turn your back and you push your face up and you brush them off they are in need they're asking you to help but you made your judgment upon them and you decide that you're not going there my friends, you may be the person who can bring hope to the lives of one of these people. One of these needy people, one of these drunken, bummed out person begging, blind person begging, someone who has an unfortunate situation in life and subject them to begging. You can be the hope. And I know there are some that are not genuine, but you'll figure it out. Don't always turn your back on those that are in need. You could have been where they are, but for the grace of God, you're not there. Those are three things that we have to keep in mind that these are very important for us to know. This man lived in darkness all of his life until he met Christ. Weren't you there? Those of you who have come to know Jesus Christ, where were you before you knew him? 
you did and live nothing else but darkness. You say to me, no, I wasn't a bad person. I, I never run the clubs. I never run the street, drink and gamble and all the other things. I never did that. You don't have to do that. You came into a world full of that. You're tainted with that when you came in. You're a sinner. And you just in that and that washes you as soon as you come into this world. By nature, you're a sinner until you come to Jesus Christ. That's when your life changed because you now walk into the light. And you can remember, many of you can remember where you were. You were rejected. You were scorned. You were looked upon as a nothing, a nobody. You were hopeless. You were in despair. You were rolling in the mud. Your life was a disaster. You couldn't put the pieces together. But when Jesus Christ got into your life, when you gave him your life, all those broken pieces and those mess, he took them and he put them back together and clean you up. And today, you can say, I am what I am by the grace of God. I want you to keep in mind, this man that was blind had no sight. He doesn't know colors, shape, neither does he know anything about figures. That's what sin does to you. You think that where you are in darkness, in sin, living, that it's beautiful. I'm going to live it up. And Satan tells you, live it up. You're young. Live it up. Enjoy it. Enjoy it to the max. And just wait until you get older and then start settling down. But don't settle down too quickly when you get there. Just enjoy your life. Live and revel in sin. Never mind what people think. Never mind what they say. You just do your thing. That's what the devil tells you. Hear me today. Many of you may feel that way. Many of you may think that way. And many of you may say, this is how man should live. Let me say to you, doesn't matter what you think or what you say. Listen, there comes a time when God say, I've seen enough. I've given you many chances to come to me and you refuse to. The Bible say he that hardeneth his heart and stiffens his neck shall suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. My friends, the Spirit of God is not always going to strive with you in your sin. Sometimes God just let some people go. Just get them out of here. And I want to challenge you today. There is no guarantee of your tomorrow. There is no guarantee of your next year or next month or the few hours that is left in the day. There's no guarantee. And what you should be thinking of is not to allow the devil to fool you and make you think that 
the way you are living in sin, that this is life. This is pleasure. This is good. Don't you let Satan fool you. Because the only plan that Satan has for your life, your beautiful life, is to mess you up. He wants to make sure that your life is wrecked. And also to do it in such a way that you, know, you never have a chance to give your life to Christ. You know how many young people that I have spoken to that said, had I known. And they're saying, had I known when they are in some catastrophic illness, when they face some catastrophic, catastrophic illness, when they are in a position that they're disabled, when they're in a position where they're being fed by someone, crippled in some way, messed up badly, that's the plan that Satan have for your life. Nothing good. Don't fool yourself. You're young, you're brilliant, you're smart, you're intelligent. You is who he want. Because he wants to wreck you before you even start to enjoy any life at all. This was a blind man who couldn't see anything, no shape, nothing at all. All he had is darkness. And that's the life he lived, in darkness. On the street begging, in darkness. Would you want Satan to put you in a position to continue to live in the darkness of sin for all of your life? Why not make a decision and say, I can't do this. As much, much as this looks good, this is not life. There's a better life that you can live. And that is the life when you come to Jesus Christ and surrender your life to him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. My friends, for you who are not saved, you are missing the abundant life. You are missing a lot of greatness in life. What you have going on there is not life and the things that you have in your hands and in your possession they're passing moment they will end they are not life you buy something to fill your void you get it filled somehow for a few months then you need something else you get that same thing then you need something else you know what's happening to you you're looking for things to make your life feel fulfilled but nothing things can't do it you can have a fulfilled life when you come to jesus christ and surrender your life to him it's amazing how the lord put eyes on our body and on our body and on the animal's body and how they're structured properly amazingly how the lord do that now god was able to do that from day one in the adam in the garden and so we are born with a structured body how he created us and my friends christ cured many that were blind by diseases or accidents sometimes that's what happened 
and Christ would cure those people. But here we notice something different. Here he cured one that was born blind. In other words, in sin. Your mother put you out in sin. Bring you out of her stomach, her belly in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. That's what the scripture said. Was born in iniquity. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. My friends, you didn't choose that for you. You didn't pick that kind of life. But it's the evilness of the world from Adam and Eve days to now. And many people would say, I'm a good guy. I'm a great person. I don't do a lot of things that are bad. I have good morals. That does not make you a Christian. You need to go to the cross and bow before the Lord and ask him to forgive you. Sin has an ugliness about it that you probably don't realize. And sometimes you get it when you're on your back and you lay down and you find out, look where sin puts me. Very ugly. And so Jesus was able to cure this man. He can cure you today. You don't have to do anything to yourself. Just the way you are, he will cure you. You don't have to change your garments. You don't have to change your job. You don't have to change your church where you attend. You don't have to change nothing. Just as you are, born in sin, he can cure you. And by the, the fact that this man was cured when he was born blind, this, kind, this indicates in some way that Christ has the power, my friend, nobody else has. He has the power to help those in the most desperate cases and to relieve you when no one else can. You tell me who can save you today. Nobody else but Jesus. His grace. This is really a specimen. When he does that, and he has the power to save you when nobody else can. This is a specimen to the work of grace that is upon the souls of sinners. Which gives, what, this, what he does, he gives sight those who are in darkness that's just a specimen that's what he will do look at the specimen look at the people that are around you who are saved you know some of them they were not like that you pass them on the street in the gutters but today you see them worshiping the lord and you cannot believe it that's what the grace of god will do he, he it will go all the way to the gutters, all down in the mire, and find the wretched, the most wretched. You know what I'm talking about? The most wretched. And when he gets you, he cleans you up, make you a brand new person. And then you can stand up and say, today, 
I am what I am by the grace of God, not by my good works. My good works couldn't do it, couldn't change me. But today, the grace of God has done the job in my life. Now, the question that the disciples put to Christ was not a, not really to help these, this, 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 this guy. He, it wasn't to help him. The disciples even knew he was blind, maybe by fame, or Christ could have told them. And they come, Rabbi, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was blind? Listen, here's what the, the disciples believe, and they're not too different from what's really going on today. They believe that the extraordinary calam calamity of this man was a punishment of some common weakness, wickedness, and that this man was a sinner above all that dwell in Jerusalem. Don't they say that about you when you were there? They say you couldn't get saved. They say, I don't believe you. I'm going to watch you. I give you two months or two weeks. They said it. But you proved them wrong because you did accept the salvation of God. The grace of God has changed your life. You proved them wrong. And so they had another question. And their question that implies also that the blindness of this man that was put upon him, this man um, was a heinous crime. That's what they believe. Well, if it was a heinous crime, the next question would be, who were the criminals? Unnecessary question. But when you're in your dilemma and in despair, that's how people see you. Thank God for his mercies upon your life because if it was left to people to save you and help you out of your mire and in your mess, you would not. You would be still there. You would not be helped because that's what men will do to you. They will push you down further than where you are. But the Lord comes to lift you out of the gutters. The question was an, uh, unnecessary. What good was the question anyway? There was no good in those questions, in those beliefs. There's no good in the question. There's no good in the beliefs. Listen. Neither Jesus said to him, to them, listen, I want to answer you. Neither this man or his parents sin. But the works of God today must be made manifest. It must be known. My friend Jesus spat on the ground and Jesus took clay, almost the same clay that he formed Adam and Eve out of, uh, Adam out of actually. And he said, he put it on my eyes. He put it on the man's eyes and he was healed. Now, there was a concern with the people and they asked him, isn't that the beggar? Isn't him? Wait a minute, who healed him? And my friends, he had a testimony. He answered and said, the man that called, a man called Jesus 
made clay. And when he made the clay, he put it on my eyes and anointed and told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I got healed. Let me ask you, what is your testimony about Jesus today? What can you say about him? And I'm sure he's doing new things over and over in your life every day. Are you still stuck at the same testimony? Today, I'm truly glad for Jesus. And I'm glad when he saved my soul. That's good. But there is, there is more. There are more that the Lord has done for you and is doing for you and for your children. There's higher grounds that the Lord is taking you up into. What is your testimony? Can you talk about that? Is your testimony real? Is your testimony manufactured? Are you doing it, making up something that you're really not living and you never had an experience with? Or you don't have a testimony? My friends, every child of God must have the first testimony of his saving grace. And after that, there are several other things that the Lord has been doing for you. You should have testimonies every day of what the Lord has done. Bible said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. And I can tell you today, I can't stop counting the blessings. There's no enough numbers, not fingers on my body to keep on my hands to keep counting the many good things that the Lord has been doing. And he's been doing it for you every day. Every moment you get up, the Lord has been good to you. And that's a testimony even to be alive. You say, well, I don't have much to eat and drink and clothes to wear. My friends, you are alive. That's a testimony of the grace and the goodness of God in your life. The saving grace, the keeping power of God in your life. That's a testimony. Don't you lose your testimony. Tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. Wherever you go, let the devil hear it. Let the devil know that your God is still working in spite of what Satan thinks about you. Let him know that your God is still working and he will work and work with you until he calls you home. Listen to me today. Give your testimony. Let everyone know what the Lord has done for you. You should have a wonderful testimony. And I trust that you may give your heart to God and that you may surrender your life to him every day with the greatest testimony that the Lord has given to you. May God bless you. May God keep you. May the Lord strengthen you. May he continue to watch over you. In Jesus' name, Father, thank you today for all that you have done. I pray that your Holy Spirit may minister to each and everyone today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.